The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Breaking a Baseball News Podcast here on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. I'm Tim Jackson here with TC Zenka. TC, it seems like the league is just uh, bursting at the seams. Uh, in some sense, maybe literally, we can get into that in just a bit. Uh, how are you? Wh- how are you processing baseball lately? I'm a little bummed out right this minute, actually, because I just saw that Will Craig was designated for assignment by the Pirates, which is really just too bad because he's now just known as the guy who, who you know, did not tag out Javi Baez, maybe made the worst defensive play in the history of baseball. And now who knows what's in store for him. I mean, it's hard to imagine another team claiming him, but it's a... Uh, you know, rough couple of weeks for Will Craig. Too bad for the guy. It is too bad. I wonder if there is an equivalent of uh, Toot Bland for defense. <laughs> uh, I guess, I guess, uh, well, I hope Will Craig doesn't find out. I hope that's not what he is. Uh, he, he goes down in history for. Uh, but, uh, you know, speaking of highly uncommon things, this week's big idea really comes out of, I don't know, the past? Uh, let, let me run some things by you. Buster Posey has 2.1 FR. Brandon Crawford has 1.9. And Evan Longoria has 1.5. All San Francisco Giants, all having great starts to this season, good enough and long enough to consider them viable perhaps, for the rest of this season. So I have one question for you, TC, when it comes to these 2021 San Francisco Giants. And that question is, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's well said. I mean, it's kind of the the, the crux of it. I don't know if it's what or if it's it's how. or, or it, I even feel like it's why. Like, like <laughs> or, or like, you know, who done it? It's like, uh, I, I don't know what, where this team has come from. They are, I mean, they've been hanging around forever. I mean, I... Coming into the season, I no longer felt like, oh, the Giants are going to be terrible like I have the last couple of years because they just haven't been. Like year to year, we kind of expect them to be among the worst teams, and they they just aren't. They manage to stay afloat and make things work, and, and you know, they get a good surprise here or there. And I did not think that they would be at all competing with the Padres and the Dodgers, though, you know, 60 games into the season, you know, two months, more than a third of the way through the season, like they're in first place. They are ahead of the Giants or ahead of the Dodgers and the Padres. It's inconceivable. So you did not see it coming. This is not how you drew up the NL West is what you're saying. No, I mean, like everybody, I had the Rockies at the top. Rockies number one. 
Dodgers right behind them. Padres. I mean, the Giants, I thought they'd be fine. I thought they'd be 81 and 81, you know, maybe a little bit better than that. Just because in this day and age, if you are competent and you, and your goal is, is competence on the baseball field, like you can kind of do that just by, just by trying, right? Like there are enough teams kind of not really giving it a go at least not like in the traditional sense, but like, you know, you can kind of make it work. Yeah. And, and like you're saying, that's kind of what the giants have done in the last couple of seasons. Uh, but this season, and they're in first, like you said, and they are on pace for well better than 500. They're 35 and 21 and they are a game up on the Padres and two on the Dodgers. And it's not, this is not a case where like those two teams while ravaged by injuries are falling to 500 themselves and the Giants are squeaking out a couple of games above that and you know they're, they're kind of making do in a division that seems like it'll get back on track like no they're all on track this is about where you would have put all of these teams at the beginning of the year and the Giants are coming out on top in large part because of these veterans having performances they have not had in years so between the three of them between Posey and Crawford and Longoria uh, and of the three my favorite part of this is that Posey is, as the catcher, played in the fewest games. He's played like 10 or 11 games less than the other two, and he's he's been more valuable in production. Uh, which of these is most sustainable to you? Well, I'm a bigger believer in Evan Longoria, actually, just because I feel like, you know, he's the guy who it makes sense why he's had some down years. Like he's had a lot of it. He kind of reminds me of Chris Bryant that he's had a lot of these ticky tack injuries and he's been an older guy. And, you know, it's been those, those injuries kind of affect you a lot more and he's healthier, healthy now, or was healthy now, you know, recently he had the, I think it was an oblique issue that, you know, we'll see how much that bothers him. Like the rest of baseball, right? Like, you know, like well, baseball, but, but I mean, Longoria is the one that like, honestly, he's the one I'm least surprised by. Posey and Crawford, I was like, you know, kind of done with these guys. I was just kind of like, oh yeah, they're still there because they're they're, you know, they're legends in San Francisco. Yeah, yeah, they really I are. Mean, Posey has been so good that it feels like that has to be the least sustainable. Just because, like, okay, so Buster Posey's going to be a viable catcher again. I believe that that Buster's going to be like one of the top five players in baseball or something. Like, come on, like that doesn't make any sense. He wasn't that good when he was good. Like, how can how can Buster Posey at 34 be doing this? I mean, I know he had a year off. I guess that helps fresh legs or whatever. But he's the that's the one that is the most surprising to me. I mean, he's just hitting the cover off the ball. Yeah, I think it's it's funny that you said he wasn't that good when he was that good. <laughs> uh, because if we if we take a minute to look at it, and you're mentioning as as a one of the top guys in baseball, really. Uh, he is ranked 14th, really higher than that if we're going to go by FR because a bunch of guys are tied, like Muncie and Acuna are both at 2.7, and Brian and Moncada are both at 2.6. There's a bunch of people at 2.1, and Posey's one of them. So he's probably closer to top 10, maybe top 8, and if not pushing that top 5 mark, it's just ridiculous. And you're talking about like he's, he's never really hit like this. He's already got 10 home runs. He had... 12 in his last two active seasons which does not include 2020 right he opted out so he in 219 games between 2018 and 2019 he had 12 home runs he has 10 this year total 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 yeah total 
He had a, he had a whole season where he hit five total home runs. He had five yeah. home runs in a whole season. And the next one, he hit seven. <laughs> <laughs> like that's like that's insane. That's and and now in thirty eight games, he's he's toppling both of those seasons, and he's going to topple them as a combined rate. And, and honestly, so, honestly, you can see a little bit of the potential in those seasons because the fact that in 2018, the fact that he hit five home runs and still managed to be 6% better than an average with the bat, he had 106 WRC plus, like you can kind of begin to see, oh, okay, maybe if he doesn't have a 0.098 ISO, <laughs> maybe there's some real potential for a like weird late career resurgence. And, and you know, here we are. Yeah, we we have arrived at that moment for Buster Posey, and it's it's so strange because like you're mentioning the ISO, uh, even this year for catchers in general, the average is 155. If you really want to go back in time to 2018, it was 140. And obviously, we're we're talking about different baseballs. We're talking about maybe different approaches uh, with wider or fewer guys embracing those approaches. Uh, 2019, when Posey. Jacked all of seven home runs. The average ISO for a catcher was 168. So you can see how this number oscillates year to year, but you can also see that Posey was below it. He has not been uh, above 111 since 2017, in which case he usually found a bucket between like 150, 140, and now he's at 259. So I don't know if that part's going to stick around, if his slugging percentage is going to keep up over 570 like it is right now. But he's not he like Woba right now for Posey is 415. His ex Woba, a really good indicator of an in-season performance, is 388. So even if he drops off, there's still a lot left there, isn't there? Maybe more than we expect. Yeah, I mean he is as good as he has one standout season in his career. 25 years old, 2012, in the height of the the Giants' weird, weird little you know, you know mini dynasty things that they had going. Or the great little run. You know, he had a 10.1 F4 season, but that offensively, that year stood out for him. He was 25, he had a 164 WRC plus, he had a 406 Woba, so just a little bit lower than where, where he is now. It was the only year he, he had an ISO over 180 in his entire career. And he was at 213 that year. I mean, it was a year that he's that he was better than any other season in his career for whatever reason. And, you know, with catchers, especially, you maybe expect some of these variants because they get beat up so much because they have so much because it's so hard to be back there for right. you know, like he was 140 games a year. But this year he's 34 and he has rollback. Like he's having another peak. He's having a second peak. He's he right is. back to where he, where he was 167 WRC plus 259 ISO. And you know, what do you say? 415 Woba right now. Like he's as, he's literally as good now as he has ever been. Yeah, and, and arguably better. I mean, I'd be very curious to look at two-month stretches for him. Uh, and, and, you know, we, we can pull that up in a second. But uh, what I'm curious or interested in bringing up is we, we've mentioned this Woba number. Even if he drops to about his, his expected weighted on base average, he would be, like we said, at 388. League average this year so far is 320. Uh, in the past, it's been about 330. It gives you a gauge of how the offensive environment has been dragged down just a little bit. And for catchers this season, it's 303. Buster Posey is hitting 30% better than the league average catcher right now by that measure, which is kind of crazy to consider because one, like you're saying, catchers get beat up. If you look at even the leaders among catchers in terms of offensive output, like 
just being like an average, I don't know, left fielder, like those kinds of numbers for a catcher would be incredible, right? He's like way, way, way surpassing that at this point. And it's kind of uh, like, I, I don't know, unbelievable. It's it's wild to, to really pre- to process. And so we're wondering about the, the uh, sustainability of it. But the more we talk, the more it seems like maybe he is having a sustainable season as unbelievable as it is. Yeah. And it's the, and that's a huge reason why this team can compete, right? Cause like that's a gigantic marketing efficiency that they have exploited. They are, you know, if Buster Posey is 30% better than, than other catchers. I mean, he's, it's a huge, huge marketing inefficiency right now that they're exploiting the heck out of it. I mean, Buster Posey, Posey, he's at, his his Wobo, like he's at four fifteen. It's a top ten mark in the in the league. Like he's not just a good hitting catcher. He's one of the best hitters in baseball right now. And to have yeah. that at the catcher spot, it just allows you to do so much more with your lineup and to get so much out of the rest of your lineup. Yeah, and you know we we bring up this rolling chart on Fangraphs of uh, if you're unfamiliar, you can go to a player's page on Fangraphs and you go to graphs and you get all sorts of different options. You might have seen these charts around Twitter, around the internet, elsewhere, on other sites, whatever. Um, we look at Posey's and going back to 2012, he's only had two other peaks the way he's peaking right now. And it looks as though this is longer than either of those. So way back at the very beginning of that, like that stretch, he came in piping hot. That We go to 2012 because that is his age 25 season. Uh, and then between 2014 and 15, he had a similar stretch of two months, which is about where we're looking uh, for this, this exercise. A little bit of a stretch like that in 2017. And then right now, again, like you're saying, just turning back the clock. And it, what's interesting is that like, you know, I, I heard it phrased the other day this way, or maybe it was a Fangraphs comment that uh, a player like Albert Pujols got bad and was terrible, but he stayed that way. And that's kind of an interesting way to frame it. Posey, I don't know that he got bad or terrible. It's like he got banged up, he got older. It's kind of what you expect from a catcher. And he's not staying that way. And it seems believable. Like I, I just, I don't know, like I said, the more we talk about it, the more I believe it, and the more, maybe the more I buy into it, and the less and less I find it believable despite being able to buy into it yeah i kind of am buying it too i mean also because you know he was playing less games i mean he really just had two down years 2018 2019 and he was playing less those years and the giants were competing those years and you know they were working him out more at first base and but he still was making contact as much as usual he still was taking his walks for the most part i mean the rest of his profile isn't that much different like he maybe even had some bad luck, some like batted ball bad luck. His bad luck was down a little bit those seasons. And it doesn't seem crazy that he would come back after a year off. And, you know, he's a guy who looks the part. He looks like he's still, you know, he's not like a, you know, not the slight Wilson Ramos or anything, but he's kind of <laughs> a bad bodied catcher as we, as we like to say. And he's uh, right. And he has been like the count, like the guy one of these guys who always exceeds expectations, right? He's, he's, he's a captain. He's, he's as close as we have to Derek Jeter in the game right now, isn't he? I mean, he's the guy who's won three titles. He was the unequivocal centerpiece of all three of those world series teams. You know, it was only him and, and Sandoval who was not the guy and Baumgartner who can maybe compete with them. 
and Crawford, right? Who were there on all four of those teams. Yeah. And, you know, he was the unequivocal centerpiece. You get a, you get a catcher like him. That's a franchise player. And I think he is as close as we have to Jeter or have had since Jeter. It's a really interesting way to frame it. And I think it does put a nice way to kind of appreciate it. Uh, you know, even processing that like Buster Posey has had a 10 win season, which was that, that 25 year old season. Uh, and you even look at like his, his plate discipline metrics, which we like to cite a lot, or at least, you know, I, I always favor them. He's got a pretty similar profile the last few years he's really been playing. 2019 was a bit of an outlier, but ultimately not too much is very different from some of his best seasons, like right. 2017 when he was more productive and uh, when he back was, was pushing those MVP-type seasons. The one thing I find interesting, I guess maybe why we thought he was on his way out is because he was getting older and catchers do have shorter shelf lives and he was 32 and 33 right when he was or 31 and 32 when he was having those seasons that he was slowing down and that he didn't quite look like himself and maybe you think bad at ball luck he's injured and maybe he's not being able to get to the ball as well and I know he is healthy now it's just interesting to to really process how much health can really mean for a player so um, as much as we could say it is unsustainable are you saying that i don't know i guess are we saying that it is and that like it, you know that really makes him the most important yeah i'm a believer i i, I am now I, I feel like he's i don't know maybe he won't continue to be a top 10 hitter in baseball but i think he's legit <laughs> and you know is that like that's not crazy to say like he's buster posey this isn't like exactly going on a limb to be like i think right. he's gonna be pretty good i think they got something here like yeah he's 34 <laughs> and i think you know the only thing that really played into the narrative of his demise was you know the Giants drafted a catcher at second overall and then yeah. they took another catcher at 10th overall like they've been drafting catchers left and right and so I think maybe we get the feeling like oh well they're on their way out but the Giants <laughs> the Giants aren't rushing Joey Bart to the majors and they still have and it might be that they're taking catchers because they know how important Buster Posey is because they've seen yeah. it for so long and the thing with catchers is that they tend to develop uh I don't want to say late maybe slower just because there's so much to it and uh you you see guys pop up with career seasons in their late 20s more often than you might than with other position players or even their 30s and maybe that's part of their plan now too like you you take a high-ranked college hitter who's experienced and seasoned relative to his peers uh you know it's it still takes a long time to grow that position and that that's a really kind of an interesting team building aspect which is i guess Really, the, the next thing to bring is that, or the, the thing that's unavoidable to bring up is that the Giants are really kind of good at team building, right? Like Farhan Zaidi is really seeming to be on top of it here. He's, you look at the rest of their, their team page in terms of their productivity leaders. It's Posey Crawford Longoria, and then it's Mike Yastrzemski, another late career breakout. Steven Duggar is their fifth most valuable hitter. Darren Ruff another cast off from other teams who went to the KBO and came back and was like, okay, last year. Now he's their sixth best hitter. Austin Slater is after that. And then Brandon Belt, Wilmer Flores, uh, Donnie Solano rounded out. And, and you could really debate the value of those guys toward the bottom, but like, what a weird team to be competing the way they are. Right. It's, it's nobody exciting insofar as that it's, there are no prospects on that list. Like the people that we like now, the people that we like to follow these young players that we can project, it's none of those guys. 
No. Nobody that you want to look at two, three years down the line. These aren't cornerstone building block pieces. These are just veteran guys who are ball players, right? Who can who can do more, given more opportunities, it seems. And I mean, they could not have a more San Francisco Giants style <laughs> offense, like offense. Like their outfield right now. Mike Talkman is out there. They got uh Lamont Wade Jr. You know, even Lustremski, he's out. He's not, he's been on the IL, he's on the IL yeah. again. Like they have such a nameless, faceless outfield. That's what makes me worry about the Giants more than anything. Like the minute they get a guy we know in the outfield, I'm like, oh, they're nobody. They're done. <laughs> as long as I don't know who the Giants outfielders are, I'm like, we are screwed. Every time I don't know who the Giants outfielders are, they win a World Series. Well, so I guess maybe that's part of the other the other bit here is that it is maybe they're one of their weirder teams, and it's not an even year, so we can't even blame it on that kind of witchcraft. It's like something else entirely. That's what makes it really interesting here. And anxiety's well, new, so maybe he's an odd year guy. Maybe that's what he brought things <laughs> to the table. He really favors the odd numbers because he <laughs> maybe he knows that they're uh, they're harder leads to uh, to break. Yeah, maybe he's the anti or, or right on, on on step with Alex Rodriguez in that sense. But uh, they have a funky place in the standings in that, like, what do they do? Right. If they keep this going, how do they buy? Do they add another piece like this? They really seem to have mastered platoons, even if these these guys are all performing at relatively real levels. You know, are they um, aside from maybe Duggar? I mean, that that could be an outlier. Yastrzemski hasn't been able to be healthy, like you're saying, and he's still been able to be pretty valuable. Uh, you know, do they buy a piece like this or do they buy a major upgrade that they can keep around a few years? Do they waste some of the farm building they've been trying to do? Like not waste it, but I mean, push for this year. Do the, do the San Francisco Giants push for a, another team to come out of the NOS to be in the playoffs? I mean, We've t- talked about how, how critical, like you're going to be playing for one game. One of these teams is going to be playing for one game, the wild card to get into the, the full tournament. Yeah, it's very tough. And but if you're there, if you got a chance, you got to go for it. Like there are only so many years when you have a chance. And I don't know that they're gonna like, like they're not gonna mortgage the farm. They're not gonna sell anybody big. I think if they do anything, they'll pick around the edges. I, I think the Giants have been very steadfast in their approach. I mean, that's the way you know Zaidi comes from the Dodgers. He comes from the A's. Like it's, it's not shocking to see him build the team the way he has. They're gonna kind of see what they need, and I think they'll. They'll probably grab, try to grab an arm or two, but I don't think there's a major move in the offense for them. I mean, if there's an outfielder that they can find, like, and they're still not getting used to I mean, they have a ton of infielders. They seem good there as long as Crawford and Longoria keep playing well. Yeah. Listello's been hurt, but they've got him kind of waiting on the IL. Uh, you know, they have kind of just a lot of bodies there. Wilma Flores, guys who can hit. Brandon Bell is still doing all right at first when he's healthy. I think they're just going to kind of, and they're in this great position at catcher again. Like, you know, this is a position that's very difficult to upgrade. They don't need to worry about it. Right. You know, the outfield, they could maybe use somebody. I don't know if, you know, Alex Dickerson is somebody that you may want to try to upgrade over in left field. I think more than anything, they'll be looking at pitching to see if there's some arms they can get. But, uh, you know, even their, like their rotation has been solid. It's again, it's yeah. like veteran guys, but it's, you know, Johnny Cueto looks like he's back. They've been trying like, they've been trying like crazy all season to move Logan Webb into the bullpen and they can't, <laughs> can't. Every, every time they try to do someone else gets hurt, but they have six guys and that's it. And the six guys have been doing great. Like Scott Casimir is coming back today again. It's like, 
yeah, I mean, there's definitely room to grab another pitcher, but I don't see them making any kind of major addition. They have some big time prospects who are young. Yeah, and, and that's that's true. And they, they seem to have a lot of uh, minor league arms who are younger, who have turned very interesting this year. We, we've talked about maybe the gap in development with last year and, and how certain teams handled it and how certain teams handled it with certain pockets of players. It seems like things are working out well early, but again, that we, we kind of have to recalibrate our expectations of what a guy does in minor league level because everything got kind of squished together. So whether they're age appropriate or not really has to be a question. Uh, that they might be considering when it comes to adding an arm and who they might be able to expect sooner than later. Uh, in terms of upgrades, I mean, Wilmer Flores has played 47 games. If you can maybe replace him or, or upgrade him. Um, Mauricio Dubon has played 50 games and has been probably the least valuable regular. And maybe look to see if you can upgrade that spot. Uh, it It is interesting to see what to do here because, you know, they are in a bit of a funky spot and they are kind of, you know, a lot of teams are in a funky spot. Kevin Goldstein at Fangraphs had just written this up about, I think it was earlier this week about teams that can uh, potentially be, um, you know, buyers. And it's like the majority of the league. So the bubble teams he listed as the Jays, Cubs, Giants, one of them, Cleveland, uh, Seattle, Miami, the Nationals, Phillies, Reds, Royals, Twins. So what happens in the next few weeks could really dictate a lot of what a team like the Giants does, who probably are one of the better teams performing so far out of that list. But I, I wonder like, if they look to, if they start picking at particular clubs and being like, oh, they could sell. Let's see, if, let's see if they're ready to sell. Let's see if they're ready to move a guy. Let's see if we can get this person in and, and maybe upgrade even just a win. A win could be really critical in the NL West this season. It could. I, I'm just not sure that there are that many teams out there that are really going to be selling. I mean, like the Cubs can't sell. The Cubs are in first place and the, the Cardinals that are behind them just lost Jack Flaherty for who knows how long. It seems like long it's going to be a long time. Right. And then, uh, yeah. you know, the Brewers have their own problems too. Like they're right there, but they've got their own problems. The Giants were maybe a team that people are looking at. They're obviously not looking to sell. I mean, you can go after and try to pick the Rockies or the, Diamondbacks clean, but there's not that much there to buy from. Even a team like, you know, it seems like the Nationals and the and the the Nationals might be a team to look at if that keeps going the way it's going. I mean, wouldn't Scherzer be just the perfect guy for this team? <laughs> yeah. I and mean, I don't know what it would take to get him, but like, I'm not sure that Miami's ready to sell very many. Like, is Miami really going to want to move Stone and Marte? The, a lot of their pieces are younger. I don't think that they're going to have a lot of pieces to move. The, the, for the Reds to sell would be kind of a an admittance of something that I think they don't want to admit. Same I think they've already admitted that. I think it's hard to not admit it when you sell off your bullpen the way they did. Well, that's the thing though, was that they, you know, they were still saying that they were going to compete. They still mm. thought they were going to. And I think to give up, but I don't, besides that, I don't know what pieces the Reds have really to buy. That's true. I mean, maybe an arm, if you can go out, if you can get, you know, one of their bigger arms or something, but the twins are definitely a team that I would look at. But there's, there are only so many teams to go pick from. The fact is, there's not much that's going to happen for another month still, maybe even six weeks. So the Giants have some time to kind of figure this out and to see what happens with the rest of this team. But, you know, things are looking good. I don't see why. I mean, I worry a little bit about the pitching staff, but 
and there's there's something to get there, but they're I mean I don't, I don't know they just keep winning and they were it's not like they were bad last year this like, this right. team is this been in, they've been on an upward trajectory they're I think they are kind of like the team version of uh what's his name Tyler Rogers like upward goofy ass or goofy slider right it's like <laughs> we expect this to go down yeah it goes up it just keeps going up and it works yeah it's working that does really embody the whole team I think in terms of a. Uh... If they were buying from another team that decided to sell, I think the Phillies might be one of those teams. They just seem to be a mess. Uh, maybe I'm a little too close to that one, but it just seems to be how they are this year. Uh, the Diamondbacks have a ton of, it seems like, infield, outfield pieces that might be right up San Francisco's alley that I could see. That's true. Uh, David, David Peralta and left. I could see David Peralta <laughs> playing left field for the Giants. For yeah. Sure. Or like uh, the Pirates, uh, Brian Reynolds has been really, really good this year. And it's like, do you hold on to him for their next run? He, he's pushing his, his late 20s, I think. And Actually, Brian Reynolds is a perfect Giants kind of outfielder, kind of a tweener outfielder who... He's having a really good year. He's having a really good year. Can't really play center, but he'll be... He's fine in the corner. Yeah. Yeah. A, he, he's like... the. But I mean, the Pirates are going to want a lot, a lot for him because he's a... That's true. At the same time, like, you know, teams don't give up a lot for anybody anymore. So it feels like... You know, Brian Reynolds, yeah, the most multiple years of control, but so what? <laughs> guys, we'll give you this low A arm. You guys will compete uh, in a few years. You're developing some of these types now. Anyway, why don't you build a rotation? Uh, I could see that kind of thing playing out. Even like the Rockies always see, seem to have too many pieces they don't know what to do with or, or how to manage. Um, I, I, I would look there for sure. And I don't know if Baltimore would do this. This is just coming up off the top of my head, and, and I'll run it by you now. Trey Mancini would be a really tough move for them to make, right? Like given uh, his bout with cancer and coming back from it and absolutely killing the ball again this year, he'd be a really tough sell to trade uh, for the fan base, right? Uh, yes, but I also think that you could sell. I think the Orioles could move him and they could sell it as like doing right by the player. You know, that he wants yeah. he, he's been there long enough. He's a veteran guy. He's not 24. You know, Mancini's in his later 20s. He's 29, 20. Seven, 29 29 years old like he's not a young man so they could move him and i think absorb the pr hit by being you know he's been everything yeah. for this organization we love him but we wanted him to be in a winning situation and this opportunity came up we talked to you know we talked to him about it and he gives all love back to the organization as he goes because he's happy to get out of there anyways right like they're not gonna they're not gonna be contenders in the next couple of years they should move him. I, I actually believe that they could move Mancini and and handle the, the PR situation without a problem. And he is making almost $5 million this year, and, and Baltimore certainly seems to be in cost-cutting mode at, at every corner and, and, and making bargains where they can. He'll be under team control through uh, next year, I think, and then he, he's a free agent in 2023. So maybe now is like that move where they look to, I don't know, leverage him as much as they can, but... I, like you're saying, it could be four weeks, it could be another six weeks, you know, it could be a while before things happen, but it seems like the Giants really are in a position to start thinking about this now, so they're ready to act when that time comes, as opposed to, you know, be caught on the, flat on their feet. Um, you know, I, I wanted to run one other thing by you. We've talked about the ages of players this year and who's struggling, and it, as it tends to be younger players and older players being a little more steady. And as we talked about this topic earlier this week, this idea that not this idea, but this piece came back to my mind. This is an Eno Saris piece from 2016 that asked simply if veterans are better at slump busting. Now, none of these guys that we've talked about, the, the veterans for the Giants, Posey, Crawford, Longoria are slumping, but 
they are killing it in a way that maybe speaks to a comfort or, or an ability to adapt quicker than a younger guy. Uh, so we'll, we'll run with the idea. He mentions ultimately, you know, did in this piece about like tracking your mood uh, as a social experiment. He, he was a part of a group in, in college that did this uh, and seeing how people plan to respond to that basically based, what would they do later in the day? How would they respond in their bad mood? And, and the older people tended to have more uh, even keeled responses. So we talked to Gregor Blanco, Josh Reddick, uh, Matt Duffy, who wasn't quite a veteran then, but but still had a plan. Mark McGuire, who was a hitting coach at that point, or a bench coach, uh, and Hunter Pence. And they all had these different versions or, or approaches of working themselves out of these slumps. Um, there is some database stuff in the piece about older players being less volatile, uh, but less volatile also usually means less productive than what the Giants have gotten out of their veterans. Um, I, I <laughs> This is just purely more thought experiment on top of the piece. Gregor Blanco said he would look to choose to feel good about bad results as long as the process was good. Like, okay, I, I smoked it, but it was an out. Uh, Josh Reddick talked about going home to his dogs and watching film of Chipper Jones. <laughs> Matt Duffy. <laughs> That's what I do. I mean, <laughs> uh, Matt Duffy kept a notebook of what has worked before to get him out of slumps. Mark McGuire has talked about patience for yourself as a player. Uh, and Hunter Pence talked about deliberately avoiding grinding it out. Doesn't want to go in the cage and work for hours. He's like, let me just take a step away from baseball to, to be good at baseball again. Uh, a counterintuitive, but apparently productive thing. So with all of those things, all of those strategies lined up, uh, does any, Giants vet right now strike you as uh, more one way or the other out of those five <laughs> options to uh, to to work themselves potentially through what is a really weird season. Um, I mean, I do think that Posey is a guy who has talked about the value of his family. Like, obviously, he stepped to, he opted out at, of twenty twenty to care, take care of the adopted twins. I could see him kind of taking the hundred pence approach of like, you know, that's not focus over hard on this life is good got other things that are going well just because i go two for 20 doesn't mean that the world is ending like i have 14 kids and they're all happy and healthy and right millionaires and you know life is going to be fine we're going to figure this out i think he's kind of a seems like one of those kind of even keeled approach types and and i think that's one of the reasons they love him there right he's he's been able to help keep that team I mean, you want to do this on a, on a player level, but you also want to do it on a team level. And, you know, the 2019 Nats talked about Gerardo Parra and his, his the way he changed that team because they'd really been slumping, obviously, as the 1931 team that went on to win the title. And yeah. Parra came in from the Giants and had been signed off the scrap heap. And he basically came in and didn't know that everybody was slumping and came in and was, like, happy. And, like, <laughs> he was just being Gerardo Parra. And it was a huge deal because sometimes you do need to just kind of like let it all go for a minute and right. and avoid those like I think like that Hunter Pence idea does make a lot of sense that like you you can sometimes grind too hard and start being like you know forget that it's okay that you can still smile you can still have a good day even if you slump at the plate or even if you've been yeah. slumping as a team and finding ways to get out of that I think is is really difficult and and a large part of what we talk about when we talk about like clubhouse management and having the right mix of players is trying to find that kind of balance that a guy like Buster Posey can bring to your team. 
Yeah, I, I really love all of that. I love that we're, we're talking back to the balance and, and the things bigger than baseball that influence baseball and all of that. Uh, it, it strikes me as a, a very fun idea, but also a very practical one. And I think that's why this you know piece jumped to my mind. Like we, we always talk about touchstones and everything like that, that we have reference points. Various Eno pieces always kind of jump out at me periodically, and this is one of them. So it's interesting to see it kind of land again. It's interesting to see it happening with some giants again because, like, if if you follow Eno at all, you know he's out in the Bay Area. You know that uh, he talked to Hunter, Hunter Pence as a giant. That he talked to these guys as giants or as visiting teams out there in San Francisco. Uh, so it is. It's very very interesting to me and compelling in a sense that. Um, I don't know, there's just always more going on than we might be able to account for with a single data point or a single stat or, or a recent point of view. And even with Posey, and you mentioned his family, like we've talked about him being maybe on the downside, uh, being old, older as a player, definitely old for a p- player at his position at catcher. He's still only 34 and barely 34, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's our age. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't do that. So- <laughs> I'm just saying I'm saying it to emphasize the fact that like he's not that old and he's got other things going on for him. And, he, you know, he's in a space where he can recognize that and appreciate it. And I think the family aspect is a nice one. Uh, I don't know enough maybe about Crawford and Longoria to say what they might be otherwise. But I do like this Matt Duffy idea of keeping a notebook of like, oh, that didn't work before. <laughs> I don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, I tried going on a bender this time and that time and this other time didn't work any of those times. I mean, the other uh, thing is, is uh, you know, Ryan Zimmerman was interviewed recently in a piece about how he's like, I can't remember what, what piece it was. I wish I wish I could remember it offhand. I'll have to look it up. But, and he was basically saying, cause he's having a really good year this season playing very limited time. And he's basically said like, it was about how velocities have gone up so much since he's been in the league. And he's like, you know, yeah, guys throw harder, but they still don't know how to pitch. And yeah. I still can hit your fastball. Like, I can always hit your fastball. It doesn't matter how hard you throw. If I know a fastball's coming and you throw me one over the middle of the plate, I can hit it. I will always be able to hit it. And I think there's a certain amount of that for the, the slump-busting of veterans, right? That, like, they they won't get cowed in those moments, and they still know that, like, though it's harder to hunt fastballs than it used to be, you can still do it here and there and, you know, a veteran guy knows like I can, I can still kind of outthink some of these younger pitchers. And I still, especially a guy like Posey, like I still know what they're looking to do a lot of the time. And I can, I can find some yes. spots to get back on board. Yes. And something that you simply cannot achieve without experience. And maybe that's just a perspective I'm appreciating more and more as I get <laughs> a little bit older. Right. Uh, and, and again, you know, we, we can't come to this and, and talk to all of you listening without also bringing where we come from. So th- that's what I'm saying, you know, <laughs> bigger than baseball. And yet baseball is, is, is really a nice little microcosm of it. Uh, we we've touched on a lot with the giants. Uh, they're, they're a fascinating story to have watched and continue watching this season. And then we look at something like this week in baseball, and it's really been a down week for baseball, right? Like, we might have a bunch to pick apart here that maybe we might even get into next week. Let's just look at the injuries here, TC. Uh, That list in front of you, it's so long to even go through, like, to read everybody off, like... Look at that list. Who's maybe one guy that either disappoints you the most in terms of like, oh, that's just a bummer or like that's like really sounds painful or that's going to hurt the team the most. 
Well, I'd say there's two kind of buckets, right? There's the Steven Strasburg bucket where it's like, ah, this is just too bad. He's not on track still. Who knows what's wrong with him now? Now there's nerve irritation in his neck. Like it was maybe a tight trapezius. Like we don't know what's going on with him. Clearly he's not on track. And I don't know if like this is the this is the price the price you pay for throwing so much in 2019. That would be somewhat mm. of the narrative because of what's happening to Corbin too. But I don't know if that's it. I think it's just like he's just one of those guys who's a little bit injury prone and things have happened this year and it's this year and last year and it's hopefully you know he's able to get back on track that's that's the one bucket kind of the like uh, not again and then the other bucket is jack flaherty where it's like guy i hope this doesn't start to put him in, into the oh no not again bucket like we haven't seen a lot of injuries from jack flaherty 25 right. he is a front of the rotation arm like he's a guy who can really make a difference and you know even though I'm a Cubs fan and he scares the heck out of me, I'd rather be beat by him than to see him on the bench, just, you know, with a whatever oblique injury. And, and they say, right. I don't, I don't think they've said yet how long he's going to be out, but no, they definitely use terms like significant injury. And it's going to be a while. And Schultz was really upfront about it, which I think tells you how concerning it is because teams will usually be guarded and, uh, and try to be optimistic or, but to, to know right away, I think is, a major note of significance when it comes to Jack Flaherty. And like you're saying, like you'd rather be beat by him than, than see him on the IL for an extended period of time and watch the Cardinals try to piece it together with Johanna Oviedo, no disrespect to him and his skill set and, and whoever else they bring up, right? right? Like Flaherty, more more better players is more fun for baseball. Yeah. And uh, I mean, really, even like it's young guys, it's old guys, it's everybody's getting hurt this year. It seems like all like a bunch of guys had hip stuff going on, uh, obliques or a significant injury all through the league that keep guys out five, six weeks minimum. Um, the one unfortunate one to me is Mitch Garver to the IL, to the IL with what was called a severe groin contusion, a groin yeah, bruise. Yeah, I heard something, I heard, like, I read on Twitter when it happened, he was in pain, and then, like, he had surgery the next yeah. day. Like, I don't know what in the world <laughs> happened, but not not pleasant, that's for sure. No. Uh, maybe something a little pleasant up your alley. Mike Montgomery opted out of the Yankees organization, and he signed with KBO's Samsung Lions, who were not especially good last year, but he's there. Uh, how do you feel about Mike Montgomery going all the way to Korea? Mike Montgomery, best closer in Cubs Cubs history. Love that man. Got his first career save in Game 7 of the World Series for the Cubs in 2016. Just amazing. You know, many teams thought he would become a frontline starter. Many teams were disappointed, so we'll see. We'll see what happens in, in the I was KBO. On but but I'm, I'm glad he's got somewhere to go pitch. I want to. I want to see him on the hill. I, he's a guy I like. Yeah, and and you can find KBO uh, highlights out there for sure. And you can definitely look at the lines, my KBO, and all that. The, the great, like even Twitter content is really good for KBO. I picked that up last yeah. season as baseball was delayed here stateside. Uh, so definitely ways to follow Mike Montgomery and guys like him. And of course, like we hope, we hope he goes and shoves and, and has some fun over there. Um, Marcelo Zuna was arrested for assault and battery against his wife, uh, almost two years to the date, uh, in a very seemingly, not seemingly, but uh, like awfully similar incident as to Odubel Herrera, who was uh, suspended for the rest of the 2019 season, didn't come back to the majors until like the end of April of this season. Didn't play at all last year. 
And frankly, he's probably only up right now because the Phillies are so bad at player dev that they'll look for any win they can, regardless of morals. So, uh, I mean, this I think this you're talking about different buckets with injuries. I think this one falls in a bucket with like what we were talking about uh, last week with finally Mickey Calloway being held accountable. Do you see something similar happening for Marcelo Zuna? Is this the last time I see him for at least a long time? I mean, I don't know. He just signed a big old contract with the Braves. And so this is pretty heartbreaking. It's and the thing that's unfortunate is it's not like there were no incidents with him before, but at the same time, it's hard to say to the Braves, like, oh, you should have seen this coming or whatever else. I mean, what makes this incident kind of interesting is that the police saw him, saw him choke his wife. There is yep. like, it's, there is a police report. And if he does go to trial, if he gets charged, like a lot of the domestic violence suspensions have come in cases where there have not, has not been court action. So this would be, I mean, right now it's just kind of a question of can the Braves void his contract? Right now the answer is no, they won't be able to. And it will depend on if he sees any, if he goes to, if he gets tried, if he gets tried, if he gets charged, then maybe there's a possibility. If not, they're paying him a lot of money and I don't know how you don't bring him back whenever yeah. that point is. I mean, I think he's probably done for this season. If he's injured, once the injury is done, you'd think that Major League Baseball would suspend him at the very least for the rest of this season. I think it'll probably be a full season suspension minimum. I think it'll probably be as harsh as we've seen, which, which is that, yeah. 162 games. So, you know, it'll be a long while until we see Marcelo Zuna again, if we see him again. And right. I hope we don't. And I hate that we have to talk about the financial aspect of it. Like, well, Atlanta's really losing out if they don't bring him back because they signed him to this deal. But it's like, that's also part of the reality of it. And I just hope that um, we don't see him for at least a long time. I wish that MLB would get out of its own way. I think they would love for something to come out of it, out of the legal system. Yeah. Uh, so they could say, well, it's beyond our scope now. Um, you know, teams and organizations uh, and professional sports seem to love to do that. Um because they don't want to be morality police or, or alienate anybody or say he doesn't deserve a second chance or whatever you want to frame it as. Uh, I, I just uh, can at least appreciate for as graphic as it was to say that it was domestic abuse, that it was assault and battery charges, that he did have his hands around his, his wife's neck. It's graphic. And as uh, gruesome as the details are, I think naming these things is really critical moving forward. It's, it's just a me thing to not refer to it as, oh, the Marcelo Zuna incident or, oh, Marcelo Zuna stuff. Because this is something that, like, even in Philly Sports Talk Radio right now, uh, Deshaun Watson comes up a lot, and, and everybody just says the, the legal stuff or the, the stuff, uh, the Watson stuff, right. once that's resolved. Like, that's a serious, like, that's serious, serial sexual assault that they're dealing with. Not like right. not like he jaywalked. Right? Like, right. To be able yeah. to name the severity is is crucial. It really is. And there's no, you know, we don't need to protect Marcelo Zuna here. Like, Marcelo Zuna has been protected plenty. I think right. you know there is time he will be he will be tried he will have his his uh, due process but yeah this is definitely this is domestic violence this is a case of domestic violence that seems pretty clear cut and baseball should do something about it like they should be the baseball has no problem dictating terms of everything in every other regard right so just do it here be the morality police go for it like do your MLB autocratic thing and just ban the guy do whatever you got to do like be strict on this count and people will have to follow through like i i know you like you're worried about the off chance of 
what this happening to some bigger star or something, but like right. just just right. be leaders in this regard. The public want leaders in this regard. Like this is something that's pretty clear cut. Maybe not in all baseball markets, I suppose, but well, in a sense, like again, just get out of your way, get out of your own way, and and be bigger than baseball to allow baseball to be a microcosm of something better. Uh, which you know, I've mentioned this phrase, "get out of your own way," a couple of times for the league and how they act. Uh, that spills into another topic. Uh, maybe we can get into this more long form next week. It's it's been huge the last couple of days. Sticky stuff on the baseballs, TC. Uh, substances for pitchers to add spin, add grip, add drop, add movement, whatever you want to call it, at, as however you want to phrase it. Um, where are you on this situation throughout the league right now? And is it anywhere different than you were a week ago before the last news dropped of, of, of different stories from different outlets of Garrett Cole suddenly having his spin rate drop on a fastball? No, this is very easy. Just make it the same across the board. Be transparent. Make a rule. Set the rule. Enforce the rule. That's it. Like, choose what stuff can be used. Choose what stuff can't be used. I don't care if they get to use it or not. Just make a rule. Enforce it. That's yeah. it. Like, that's it. That's as hard, as complicated as it has to be. And now, you know, we can measure it. We can measure the spin gained and, and lost. And and we can measure what that spin actually does. And we're talking about baseball as a game of inches. And now, with all the data we have, we know it's less than that, right? Like, it, it's centimeters right. that can be right. difference makers. Uh, so maybe maybe we can do what we did with the Rockies and and a little bit with this week with the the Eno piece uh, and, and the passing piece in the past and maybe we can dissect a few of those moving forward or or maybe not if everybody's sick of it in a week we'll we'll see in in time. Um, that brings us to the PL piece of the week. Daniel, Daniel McDonald's giant steps uh, combining some classic jazz and the San Francisco Giants and a couple of the things that they've done really really well uh, to be a threat when it comes into the 2021 season. So go check out Daniel's piece, Giant Steps. You could even Google it. I'm sure it'll pop right up. And uh, get some more context for how these San Francisco Giants have been so successful here in the early going of 2021. Uh, That brings us to ultimately, TC, where can we find you online? And what can we expect from you in the next uh, week or so? Uh, find me the usual places. Find me at MLB Trade Rumors. I'll be there Saturday, uh, Saturday evening, writing up whatever comes across the wire. And then uh, I have a piece coming up here soon from Pitcher List. And you can always find me on the Discord there and at Twitter at TCZENCKA. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll second that. The, the Discord, again, a great place. Even if you've got fantasy questions, a great place to ask, ask those. We actually just clarified those. Uh, and different channels to make it even easier to get uh, more questions in with uh, more particular responses. Uh, you can find me online at, of course, on our Discord at PitcherList. You can find me, of course, at uh, BP with the depth chart updates uh, every week in uh, Fantasy Freestyle. Every other week, I was just looking at who's handling the high pitch really well from the from the batter's perspective because pitchers are going there more and more every season. And you can find me on Twitter at Tim Jackson says you can find the pod at breaking pod PL and on Gmail at breaking pod PL at gmail.com. Love to hear from you no matter what, any which way you could reach out to us. If you would like to rate us five stars and leave a positive comment for us, it would be the best and we would love you forever. Although we already do. And we hope that you guys have had fun this week. We hope you're back next week for more fun. 
And uh, we hope you guys all have the best week ever. We'll see you then, everybody.